Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I hope it's a lovely day where you are. It's a nice, brisk fall day here in Minnesota, and we're really enjoying the the temperature and the nice weather. Today, we're going to have a really fun show. We're going to be talking about um, holistic alternatives and their impact, as well as um, health and nutrition as a whole. Um, but before we dive into chatting with our guests today, I always like to let people know a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks Radio and how we came about. Um, bottom line is my mom has had dementia and struggled with memory loss for over 30 years. And so more than half of my life I've been trying to figure this game plan out, which is not an easy one to do. Um, and so... Basically, I changed careers and decided to try to make a difference and teach people at least what I have learned. And in that process, try to learn more about what is going on and how we can help others. And so we started out with a blog um, and a resource directory, and now we have the radio show um, and dementia chats. Um, so we have lots of different forums. I also do speaking and training. Um, but the goal is really to help connect people to different services, products, and tools all over the world. And I know in my heart that by joining forces and sharing this everyday knowledge, we're going to shift lives. We're going to be able to remove the fear and the stigma and give people hope of living with this disease. Because even though my mom has had memory problems for 30 years, she has had a lot of very good living. And so have we with her. Um, even through the last four years of her end stages, there's still a connection um, with her. And I just think that it's critical for us to understand to understand that. Um, at our core, again, we're just really big into collaboration. And with that collaboration, um, all of you are a piece. And so, for example... Um, your clicks, your likes um, regarding the show have really had a huge impact to the point that we were named the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And let me tell you, that would not have happened without you. And so I very much appreciate um, you sharing the information that we share with you because, you know what, most people don't talk about this disease and we're quite surprised at how many people are touched when we just decide to bring it up. Now you can always join in the conversation 
um, with us. And you can do that by dialing in live at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. Or you can always use your chat box as well with that Um and I'll be monitoring, like I said, questions and comments, and we'd love to, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. Or maybe you want to be um, our next guest. We'd love to talk to you about that as well, because we do interview people who are living with dementia, both those diagnosed and, and care partners, as well as professionals and authors and researchers, you name it. We're all in this boat together. So again, would love to chat with you. I do want to highlight a couple of resources that I think are really important. Uh, people are always asking, you know, where do I find support? And Alzheimer's Disease International is the organization of all the or Alzheimer's associations around the world. And you can find them by Googling just Alzheimer's Disease International, or you can go to www.alz.co.uk. Um, or um, some people have specific types of dementia, such as Lewy body dementia, and there is an association specific to that. And you can, um, again, Google Lewy body dementia uh, association or just go to lbda.org. Uh, frontal temporal lobe is another form of dementia, and that, again, has its own association. And if you just go to the and then AFTD.org, and that stands for Frontal uh, Temporal uh, Degeneration. Uh, the Purple Angel Project with Norms McNamara, I always have to mention, I think it would be wonderful if everybody joined forces and used one symbol to identify this disease in a dignified manner. Uh, Gary LeBlanc is doing some huge things with the hospitals, getting things on board. And so the word is spreading and everyone is able to use this symbol if you're an individual or if you are a company. Um, also, I get asked a lot about trials, and there is a great uh, tau trial going on right now, and that's through the um, Alzheimer's Studies program, and you can just go to alzheimerstudies.com or go ahead and visit our website, alzheimerspeaks.com, and at the bottom of each page are various sponsors and there's a link that'll take you right to their right to their site. They also have a Facebook page called uh the Alzheimer's team. So um with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our first guest, and I'm hoping things are going to go smoothly. We've had a little complication where um, our guest is from Ireland, and we had some difficulty in terms of using uh, Skype to call in, and also with my, my phone system that normally lets me do a conference call is bouncing it to another line. So we're going to have to jimmy-rig this a little bit, but hopefully it will it will will all work because uh, Christy Fleming is our next guest and he is the founder of Disrupting Alzheimer's 
project. And again, like I mentioned, he's over in Ireland um, doing some fantastic um, work. Disrupting Alzheimer's was established in 2008 by Christie after a family member was diagnosed with early onset disease at the age of 54. Their goal is to create a number of permanent um, residencies throughout Ireland combining both holistic and medical practices um, that individuals experiencing Alzheimer's can attain um, and basically have this integral experience where all their needs are catered for. Wouldn't that be sweet? Um, this project is about fostering and building bridges within the various sectors of care um, to research and implement new healing modalities and to share findings like we're doing here and experiences with carers and families um, in the wider community. They want to make sure that um, they are nicely established and recognized as a body that provides high-quality, holistic, and practical and nutritional care um, that helps um, arrest, basically, and reverse the, the progress of Alzheimer's disease. Christy is a life coach, an author, a reflexologist, um, and uses emotional freedom uh, techniques. And uh, as a practitioner, he's a motivator. Uh, he's done lots of appearances on, on TV and so forth. So um, with no further ado, we will go ahead and get Away for a week at a time and try and work with them. And this is 
It took a while. It would have took a few days from to settle in. But once he settled in, he really came out of his shell. And he started, he started really, um, he was engaging in all the activities that we were doing. So we would have had a lot of activities on for the week. And we would have had a lot of therapists there. I said we would have done drama. Bear with me here, and I will get him back on the line. I'm not quite sure what what happened. But in the meantime, if anybody wants to call in, and if you have um, done anything for uh, Alzheimer's Awareness Month, I'd love to I'd love to hear that from you. So feel free to go ahead and call in to the station at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. Hey, Christy. It looks like we have them back here again. So just a second, Sorry about that, yeah. So the idea, uh, it came about because of the spike ground in the 30s. So I decided that um, because on the medical end of it, there was no really support we were to go back to the GP and, and the specialist in about six months' time. And the, all they tend to do was give you the medication and they'd ask you a few questions. And you probably get all the questions wrong. And when you get the questions wrong, they more or less tell the family then that the Alzheimer's is actually developing to stage A and B and C and stuff like that. So my idea was if nothing happens, nothing changes. So we tried to put this in place to support Paddy. And the idea was to feed the brain. So... The, the workshops were broken into three parts. Foods to do with diet, nutrition, holistic therapies and practical tasks. So the, the food end of it would be foods that feed the brain, such as coconut oil. And I was doing a lot of research on the coconut oil. There's actually a doctor, Dr. Mary Newport in America there, actually. And um, her husband was an accountant, and he actually more or less came back to life through the coconut oil and the MTT oils and the ketogenic diet. So I actually done a lot of research on that, and as I said, we looked at the fuels that feed the brain, so seeds, coconut oil, blueberries, and we included all them actually on the, on the residentals. And then we got all the different therapists in as well to actually um, to do the therapies. And we had a lot of group work because, again, it was great with the group work. We tried to keep, um, work with Paddy as an equal and keep drawing him out of himself in a sense, you know. And then the practical tasks, what happens uh, here in Ireland, I'm not sure whether it happens in, in America, but in Ireland... Um, because of all the cutbacks with the HSE, uh, the carer has not got much time to support the person who has the, um, the Alzheimer's disease. They may maybe have about 30 minutes to go in and shower the person or whatever and uh, just get them dressed and then they have to go to the next client. So my whole approach was to actually go create a space where you could walk with the person and encourage them to do as much for themselves, whether it be dressing themselves, whether it be helping to make the bed, whether it be helping to prepare uh, the, the, the kitchen for, for the meals and stuff like that. And that's, that's the whole idea of it, you know. So it, came, it was born from there, you know, and Paddy did respond to the whole thing and he loved it. And everything was going well, as I said, we were trying to develop the project. And the idea, as I say, we, we did realise that a, a week was too short. But, you know, it was something. What, what needed to happen was continuity. And I thought I was going to 
get uh, our own premises where we can actually do this on, on a regular basis and work with people with Alzheimer's, but also work with their carers and, and support the carers in a holistic approach to looking after the um, after when, for when they go home as well, to the family home, you know, to look after their loved ones, you know. And that's what seems to be lacking here, you know. So, um, unfortunately, with Paddy, in Paddy's situation, my brother, he ended up uh, last year, as just after, there were two months after one of the residential programs that we had him away from, he ended up having a bleed in the brain. And he ended up uh, being brought into hospital and he had to have an operation to get the... Because um, the holistic therapies, it's not taking a long time 
I, I trained in reflexology about 16 years ago, and at that stage, you couldn't even pronounce the word, you know? Reflexology, I couldn't even pronounce it myself. But I remember doing a radio interview there, and um, the, the, the interviewer couldn't even pronounce it, and didn't know anything about it. But everywhere you go in Ireland now, reflexology, you open the shop boards and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So it's becoming more acceptable. This approach, this holistic approach is becoming more acceptable. But there is a lot of work to be done, and especially around the Alzheimer's. And we believe, as I say, like, um, as I say, it's about sharing the information and about education and it's about putting it out there and, and sharing what we're doing. But there's actually, um, through my own research, we came in touch with, um, I don't know whether you heard of this, uh, Larry, HANDLE. And HANDLE stands for Holistic Approach to Neurodevelopment, Learning Efficiency. And actually, actually what they do is they provide highly effective non-drug holistic treatments for learning behavioural and other challenges. And they're getting great results with people who have ADHD, people who have strokes, and they're working with people now who have Alzheimer's disease. And this is actually what we, this is the training we want to give the carers. This is also the training that we want to, to, to put out there, but also to, we want to put this training into practice on our loved ones and um, in relation to them. general public. I think that's one of the biggest problems is the professionals know one thing and families know another thing and the two haven't met and we we need both in order to give good care. So I think that that's a that's a brilliant brilliant format. Can you talk to the importance of um networking and and connecting with like-minded people in order to make change and how that's affected your you and your organization oh, so important, as say. even even though now setting up, we, we're actually at the moment a not for profit organization and we we we've been trying to set up as a charity for over 8 months now since our Christmas actually we're dealing with revenue, trying to um, set this whole thing up. And because it's so new and different, um, it's like they want to put it in a box. And they want to get the, the, like, the medical GPs to endorse your product. So they're looking for levels of confirmation, of course, in relation to that this, this approach is, a, is, is approved by the medical profession. But the medical profession hasn't really clear what we're even talking about, you know? And um, and the HSA would be, would be the health service executive. And again, they would want a look of a letter of course, you know. So it's nearly that blocking you all the way. As I say, this is holistic. It, it, it's not old school. It's new school. And that's what we're trying to do. So, But it's so important to network with other groups. And I was actually just delighted to be able to talk to, um, I think, was talking to Ethel Lord, who was on your radio station as well. And Ethel, and her approach in, in, in training people to become Alzheimer's coaches, I think, is just fantastic. You know, I mean, like, again, over here, it's Alzheimer's carers. But, you know, I mean, the coaches go the extra mile, and that's what it's all about. So I would love to have, as I say, like, people like Dr. Everlord over here when we get this clinic up and running, this residential unit up and running, and have her actually talk about 
the approach that she uses as well, and about and even trainers in this sort of a, this this way of doing things. You know, it's so so exciting and it's so actually privilege to have you on the show as well and I wish our connection was a little better um people would laugh if they saw how I'm how I'm working this right now but you know what um this disease is all about tolerance and um not about perfection and it really is about just pushing forward and making it work so um even though our connection may not be perfect um today we're still able to to make the connection and uh, to let people know, uh, you know, what it is you're doing. I also find it interesting that we all seem to think that it's greener, uh, you know, in the other pasture in terms of what is being done. And um, I absolutely love social media for allowing us to connect um, and to be able, like you said, with Dr. Mary Newport and and Dr. Ethel Lord, um, there's a lot of people out there doing really cool things that everybody needs to needs to know about and um, needs to just kind of reframe their mindset um, where they're going and what they're what they're going to do. Um, I know one of your one of your philosophies is really to also engage and not isolate people. So can you talk to some specifics on that as well? I just I couldn't hear the last you said. Uh, oh, sure. I'm sorry. You couldn't hear. Um, if you can talk a little bit about um, how your program will help break the barriers of isolation and really help connect people with uh, Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. Absolutely. Yeah. The beautiful thing is that we're learning to go and feed the brain. It's not just going to help for anybody with uh, disorders and stuff, it will help them all, you know. But uh, again, in relation to the isolation, there was a program done on uh, national television here in Ireland a couple of years ago, and it was very, very sad the amount of people that live in, in rural areas in Ireland who have Alzheimer's and their carers might be even, say, like, could be very aged themselves and trying to look after them and maybe getting very little support from the HSA. In relation to say like um, a couple of hours a week, maybe just to look after them. So the whole responsibility was bouncing on themselves, you know. And again, they, they, a lot of the people just had no skills and no no training in it. And that's what I say. So to break the isolation, 
I think it's so important to do training such as what we're talking about there, handle the holistic approach to neurodevelopment. Uh, but to train the carers in that, to support the carers so that they, when they do go home, you know, that they do have, they have tools that they can actually use to help the loved one and to deal with the, the stress and the, the, the pressure that, that, may, that they may be facing and stuff, you know. And this is what, what we want to do, as I say, would be to break that isolation, would be actually to have monthly programs in our premises when we get this premise up and running and to work with maybe they start off with three to five people who have early onset Alzheimer's but also to take that care of us on this journey with them for a month and work with them and as I say and train the carers then support the carers so that when they go home they're equipped and they're able to support the loved one and break that isolation for the loved one and break the isolation also for the carers because a lot of carers are at breaking point as well you know because of this because there's no skills, there's no training, there's no support. And because of all that, there's a recession on and because of all the cutbacks um, in the HSE. And there's nothing else out there for them, you know. And they're just stressed out of their heads, you know. So this is our way, this would be our approach. So the idea would be to work. We want to really do a pilot budget and work with, as I say, three to five clients who have early on Alzheimer's disease, but also, as I say, work, take the care of the way well and work with them for a month. At a point and document how I get them, and as I say, I can I keep following up with the whole thing and, and see where it goes, you know. And this is this is the approach we want to use, you know. As I say, to bring in all the people that we've met, the different therapists, the handle approach, and maybe as I say, get people over like such as uh, Dr. Epelard who does that, the Alzheimer's coaching, you know, I mean, to train people in there to come out from the coach, which I think is just fantastic, you know. And I think it's the way forward. You know, it's exciting, it's new, you can come alive in the whole thing, you know. Whereas, as I say, for a lot of people out there at the moment, there's nothing, there's no support. And people, as I say, like, even people that, that are actually in the care game are just at breaking points, and some of them have actually gone over the edge, you know. And their own lives have been affected from this, you know. And then the problem, what happens then is that the person with the Alzheimer's ends up in a, in a nursing home or a hospital. As I say, the care that we're looking at um, ends up in the hospital. Or sometimes they might even might be more dangerous than that. But it's you know. So it makes common, it's common sense, it's practical sense, really, to, to actually uh, to try something different. You know, I mean, like we always do, we've always done, we love to get the same results. So we have to be open to new ideas. And this is what disrupting Alzheimer's is all about. About disrupting the progress of the disease. About learning through education, sharing the information networking with other groups, wherever they are, and learning from them. And they actually say, and where coconut grows, seemingly, they actually reckon that the, the incidence of Alzheimer's is very, very low. So they, they reckon as well that, from the research we've been doing, that Alzheimer's seems to be, um, a lot of it is based on our diet. And stuff like so it seems to be Western society seems to be very much affected. Excuse me. A huge increase in the whole thing. And the next 40 years, they're expecting the whole thing to be Especially in Ireland, it seems that expecting to, it's around 48,000 people diagnosed at this point in time in Ireland. And they reckon that's going to travel that now in the next 20 to 30 years, you know. But again, I know it's huge in America, you know, and they can say that there's not a lot of people here, but in comparison with um, this small country, you know, with a small population, there's actually 48,000, I think in 2010, there was 4,400 people with early onset Alzheimer's. This is the danger.
market open, that's going to keep it, it's going to increase. So we can actually maybe address that, maybe, as I say, through prevention, through diet, nutrition, the holistic therapies, and uh, the practice tasks, and create that awareness. You know? So I think it's, it's, worth, it's definitely worth investing in, it's, it's worth speaking, speaking out and following through and the whole thing. You know? But I'm really passionate about it. I, I just love this approach, you know. For Patty, and um, and how did how did that go? again. So let me uh, try to go ahead and dial him in and see if we can get see if we can get Christy back one more time here. Sorry for the difficulty. This is the it's full moon time here and this is the seems to be the way that it goes some days. So I will uh I'll just get him back on the line here and we'll carry on this conversation. Um I really want him to talk about this party that he had um for his brother Patty. So um it was it was really fun. He had just sent me a picture the other morning of um of Patty and he just looked really, really happy. So Okay, just a second here. Okay.
So we all decided that we'd celebrate his birthday in the Norseman home on Saturday. And what a day for the over here. Now, it's actually overcast here today in Ireland um, that had been raining. But on Saturday, the sun was shining. And there were 47 of us, all family, all children, uh, Paddy's cousins, Paddy's. Paddy wouldn't be married himself. Um, but uh, my, my, my own children, my grandchildren, uh, my brothers and sisters' grandchildren, and their children, and so on, all the way through. And they were all there, there were 47 actually there, people celebrating Paddy's birthday. Paddy is seriously ill at this point in time. But yeah, he was so much alive and himself on the day. And it was as if he was actually um, connecting with us all. He was smiling away. Paddy always had this cheeky grin. And that cheeky grin was actually there on the day. He's just an amazing spirit, you know. So like, he actually recognised people as well and, and well enough with emotion and stuff like this, you know. So incredible. The day just worked out beautiful because we didn't know what way it was going to go because of the health and because of what we what he'd been going through in the, in the hospital and then back into the nursing home. But um, on the day, as I say, like, we couldn't have asked for anything better. So we got a lot of photographs and family photographs. And I think, you know, I mean, it was totally uplifting for us all, you know, to see him so happy and to be able to share that happiness with him, that special time, that special quality time. And I think that's the catalyst in him. That's the change, bringing change into my family, as I say, like 47 people in that room with him. As I say, from all ages, and just a big, big party, sadly, you know. And then, as I say, he got the nature support on the day. He had the weather; the weather was sparkling. It was just the sun was shining and everything, you know. So just totally amazing. So we had it. We had a great day, and I've been on to the Northern Home since then, and uh, had a few difficulties in relation to his sewer because he got the sewer through the peg in the stomach, and uh, he has uh, difficulties sometimes with the digestion. So. A few times there now during the week, they had to actually um, stop the field and um, stop it for a few hours and see how he was doing. So I was talking there this morning, so he said he stopped it last night, but um, he was back again. He's back on the field now at the moment and he was stable and he was in good form and he had him out of the bed in his chair and stuff, you know. So what I've been doing is, is been asking all our therapists to actually send the healing to Paddy because, again, had been through so much and through so many so much medical intervention with the, the brain operations and, and all these all the antibiotics he's been getting for the last twelve months and he's still with us, you know, so that's just amazing to heal. And what I've been asked the therapist to do is to focus their attention on the things being digested. And if we focus on the food being digested, maybe then we can walk on the swallow and focus on the swallow. The body can to repair itself. If that's the case, I know that we all have to pass on at some stage, but this guy is just amazing energy and he's still with us, and as I say, so where does life just hope? Uh, until that day comes when he does pass on, I will actually be sending out healing energy. And only last night, as I say, like, there would have been another group of therapists who had um, got a group meeting last night and they put him in the book for healing as well, you know, so. It's, it's just incredible the amount of support we're getting that way, you know what I mean? Like, um, um, the lawyers that he's changing, people that meet, um, I think it's just, because he's so, he's, he's like a dandy in a sense, you know, he's just so in his power. And even though he's gone through what he's gone through, and to be honest, Barry, I don't think I'd ever be able to do this myself, you know? 
something that you said. Well, it's it's amazing. It's amazing the connection that uh, that you've made with him. You know. Uh huh. So, um, Christy. Uh, Christy, can you tell us? It, it just amazes me the connection that you have uh, that you've made, you know, with your brother, and even the reference to Gandhi and, and him being the catalyst. And um, you know, I can relate to all of that. And and you know, with my mom, um, she's touched so many lives, you know, all over the world um, through her story. And like you said, you're you, you're kind of the Pied Piper at this point. Um, in terms of bringing the story forward. How has your government, um, how are they dealing with this? Because I know here in the U.S. that's something that, uh, you know, they've got all these plans of action, but I think for people in the trenches, we still feel like it's not enough and we're not getting enough funding. Um, Is the government taking a stand? Are they doing anything over in Ireland, or do you think it really is going to be a grassroots effort here? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a grassroots. It's going to be a fight. As I said, we're going to have to show the government a new way. And even as I say, we're, we're ourselves in relation to the our project that is and the revenue we took. Um, they didn't get what we were talking about. We're not a we're not a medical project, but a holistic project, but a creative project, but innovative, diet and nutrition, practical. You know, and there's nothing there's not there's not nothing medical about it in a sense. You know. And say, like, I think all the money is going that way. It's going into the medical end of it, unfortunately, you know. So we have to fight for every um, every piece of ground that we're actually attempting to make, you know. That's the way it seems to be going there, you know. So do you have over there any philanthropists that are, um, you know, or, um, you know, donation angels that are helping you kind of get get your vision off the ground. Um, oh, can you repeat that? That's all no, It's all being done voluntary. Everybody's given the point voluntary. Um, what we really need is to get the premises up and running. Um, there was an opportunity of a premise of a 10-bedroom unit in Cork, um, which is a farmer north and home, and we had an opportunity of that, of getting that off the ground. And unfortunately, as I say, we had to deal with revenue and because we couldn't answer the question that they wanted, we wanted to wrap us up in this medical box that we're not. Uh, it, it's, not a, it's prolonged the whole, the whole episode trying to get this whole premises. And we lost the premises because of that, you know, because we couldn't actually, we couldn't sort of put on paper that we're actually, that we're a holistic project as such, independent of the medical end of it. They wouldn't accept that, you know. And um, they wanted actually proof that we're actually, as they say, letters of the endorsement from the HSD, from GPS. So it just made it nearly impossible for us to get this off the ground. So what I'm looking at now is, uh, is actually um, is it's on a different approach, set it up as a business. Instead of disrupting our pastime as a project up as a business, and try to get some investors. And that way we're going to put through all the red tape and, and get this thing moving. And as I said, we'd be able to damn walk with people and use, use the investment that we have. Um, that's what we've been putting out there because 
uh, they've made it nearly impossible for us to set up as a charity. And uh, as I said, we lost that premise because of that. So we're looking now for another premise and uh, <clears throat> to get it going maybe as a business, you know. So that's the idea we're probably on. And to try to get, as I say, investors, philanthropists, uh, people who actually have maybe successful people, business people who have actually experienced it firsthand what it's like to live with somebody through Alzheimer's and stuff like that. And somebody that would actually see the benefit of what we're attempting to achieve, what we're attempting to create. And who knows whether it will We need to be, we haven't been given the chance to actually do this yet fully. But from what we've done with Paddy in the early in the early days, he thrived on the whole thing, you know. So we want to develop that and put it out there to other people and then do the training with the carers as well and show them support them in a way, you know. But that's, that's exactly where we're coming from. Unfortunately, as I say, it's going to be five every step of the way with the government, though, on this, you know. So the way the way it will be actually set it up as a business and to try to get investment, investment in the whole thing, you know. So for um, people so for people who are listening, Patty, um, what could they do? What would your ideal, you know, volunteer do or person who is able to write a check? What kind of roles could they play? Well, what they could play is maybe if they could support us financially, it would be a big step, as I said, because we don't, we're doing this on, on nothing. As I say, everybody just gives the time for day. So we need to get a premises, that's the first thing, and we need to be able to get a, get a, a suitable premises where we can actually put this into place. And then the plan would be, once to get our premises, to cover the rents, cover all, everything that's involved, that the rate, the rent, and whatever, yeah. and then we would showcase the house and, um, and get all the therapists involved, get all the people like uh, there they're on like the trainers like handle trainers bring over Apple um Apple Lord in relation to say like the the um the Alzheimer's to do the training and the Alzheimer's coaches to talk about that even, you know. And and that's the way forward I believe. You know, so the supporters on that journey. So if anybody can actually help us through fundraising to fundraise on behalf of the trusting Alzheimer's but we actually have a website as well, you know that a lot of information is on the website and uh, you can check us out there, you know, as well. So there, these would be ways that they, they, could, they could actually help. Again, if there was any Americans who, in, in their own country there that, that had maybe connections over here, we'd probably, you know, that, that, I mean, that maybe lying idle, probably not. Because there is a lot of properties lying idle, and there's a lot of, a lot of um, clerical problems lying idle because the big change, the Catholic Church, so, you know, and somebody might know somebody that knows somebody that has a place, and that we could actually benefit from, you know. So it's just putting that thinking cap on. So maybe people could write me in relation to my email, sorry, that would actually help as well. And then if you know anybody that could help us, put us in the right direction, you know. So there's a few things there now. Sure. Have you have you tried connecting with the churches and things over there and um, yes. seeing if they'll be willing to back you or give you um, a residence to work within? I actually did. I got to meet the Archbishop of Dublin. Um, it was about two years ago, and he actually, at, at the time, he did tell me that he had funding available for a project in Dublin, if I got a premise in Dublin, <coughs> and, um, which was fantastic. But what happened was, I followed up and followed up. He put me in touch with um, one of the people um, who would be the social conscious, the social end of the, of the church, in a sense, you know? and we met with these people, and what happened was, we never went anywhere, really, you know. But the Archbishop was behind it. He loved the approach. A very human, decent human being. You know? And he loved what we were talking about because he himself um, told me firsthand the experiences that he's had with, with people. Like his own, his own priest 
to be in retirement homes now and have Alzheimer's disease. So and you love the idea of it, but it'd be trying to get a second meet for them, and it's just nearly impossible to do that, you know. But it was like say, like he passed me on to somebody else who looked after the social end of things, and uh, trying to get meet with these people has just been impossible. Like say, like um, I explained the situation and what we were trying to do, what we were attempting to do, and it just went nowhere, you know. I followed up the phone call stuff like that. But at the moment, trying to get another meeting with the bishop, the archbishop, you know. Okay. Have you ever Plus, tried? Have you ever tried meeting like with um, any, um, you know, real estate agents or companies that might have uh, vacant property um, that they'd be willing to, you know, donate the space for? Um, what we found is we need to get somebody to champion our cause. And I think that will give us status then. And then the, the lease of the real estate will maybe be able to take them more seriously, you know that way? Um, if you, and even again, if I, if I was able to get that, like somebody like the Archbishop on board our project as a champion of the project, that would give you a lot of credibility then, you know? It would give you a foot in the door and open doors for you, you know? But we're not at that stage yet. That's the problem. And it's very difficult to get out of this, to get to that stage, you know, as I said, like, you know, about being there all the way through, you put the revenue. Christy Fleming 
T-H-R-I-S-T-Y-F-L-E-M-I-N-G 72 at gmail.com and to get all the information there they may come to my website but if anybody has any questions or whatever they can actually um, email me and uh, on that christyclemens72 at gmail.com I'll do my best to answer that question well wonderful it's been a pleasure to have you with us Christy I thank you so much and I, I wish you great luck with your endeavors and I definitely want to stay in touch with you thank you Laurie I really appreciate you having the opportunity Talking to yourself. Okay. The next time we try to organize, organize a computer. Okay, sounds like a plan. Well, thank you so much, and you have a wonderful week, okay? I will do. Bye-bye. Well, we managed to get through our um, difficulties in terms of connections there, so um, it was fun to talk with Christy. And again, I apologize uh, that we didn't have a better connection, but with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, you learn to be spontaneous and go with the flow and just move forward. Um, before I introduce our next guest, I do want to um, just highlight some things that have happened during this last week. And um, let's see, since we talked last, um, for those of you that didn't listen to the last radio show, it was quite interesting. We had Trish uh Radenberg with Us Against Alzheimer's on and she was talking about a play she wrote called Surviving Grace. We also had Jim Creasy on from Jiminy Wicket. And uh for those of you that are going to be out in New York, come and join us on the twentieth. We're going to be playing croquet for Alzheimer's disease with Jiminy Wicket at Rockefeller Center. It'll be a lot of fun. We'd love to see you. We're going to be out there from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. So just to let you know that. And then we also, on that uh, last show, we had um, Curtie Kalsi on with the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. And, uh, you know, she talked a lot about their their pillar system in terms of, of health and wellness. Um, and so that was that was always interesting. Our last dementia chats uh, is recorded and available now. Uh, we had uh, Michael Ellenbogen on, Harry Urban, Steve Ponis, and we really talked about advocacy, the cost of care, and also housing options. Um, we had really a nice, nice input from from our listeners. And so again, we do those the second and the fourth Tuesday of each month. And we would love to have you be, you know, part of that conversation. And if you can't make it live, uh, again, you can always listen to them afterwards or you can always send questions in to me as well if you'd like to do that. Um, Our next show coming up is going to be on the 24th. And we're going to have the Louis Body Association on. We're also going to have the author um, uh, Marie uh, Marley on, who's written a beautiful book. And then uh, Jim, James Creasy with Jiminy Wicket's going to come on and just talk about how how the event went at Rockefeller Center. I thought that that might be kind of a kind of a fun follow up for us all on that. There are a couple of um, blog posts too that I want to point out to you. 
on, let's see, on the 16th, there was a really nice article that Gary LeBlanc wrote um, about me uh, called The Voice of Alzheimer's in the um, Hernando Today paper. And so I just want to thank Gary LeBlanc so much. Gary's doing some really great work with the hospital wristband program in Florida, which is going to be expanding. That's just a massive, massive movement. We'd like to see that take off all around the world. On the 14th, um, on the blog, Norms McNamara, our little hero and mentor who is really changing the way of the world, was on, and he has a really cool video. He has been asked to be part of an international summit um, that is taking place this week on Alzheimer's disease, and they are giving him a quite a large platform in that summit to talk about his dementia-friendly campaign, which has really taken up movement. And again, for those of you that are not familiar with the Purple Angel uh, project, please go ahead and Google that, or if you could just go to our site, um, any page at the bottom, you'll see the Purple Angel. You can click on that. To get more information, again, individuals and businesses can all grab that logo and spread awareness. It's just a beautiful symbol uh, that spreads awareness in a dignified fashion. On the 13th, there is a post about the dementia drought. And with that, I posted a video I ran across about how we rain on other people, and are you raining on those with Alzheimer's disease? It's quite beautiful and really makes you kind of step back and reframe your life on, in terms of how you are how you are treating others, and uh, and what you're what you're up to. Uh, last, our next dementia chats will also be on the 24th. Again, that'll be our normal time on Tuesday from. Um, 2 to 3 p.m. Central, that's 3 to 4 Eastern, and um, 1 to uh, one to 2 out in um, California there. So would love to, love to see you participate in some of, some of those uh, links that we have there. I think it's great resources, easy to share. You can like it, click on it. Um, email it. Uh, you can send it to your LinkedIn groups or your Google groups as well. Again, those little clicks are extremely powerful, powerful um, modes to be able to increase awareness. And it just takes a second of your time in order to do that. Um, let me see here. I do want to mention again, if you're looking for support, the Alzheimer's associations are all over the world. And again, you can go to Alzheimer's Disease International and find your association closest to you. Music First with Coral Health, again, is one of my favorites. They, they are now portable. So you can grab that great music that your person with dementia likes to help calm them down or get them in a good mood um, and distract them from something that might be irritating them. Um, they have programs that can help them sleep and eat, all different types of things. So uh, please check out Coral Health along with the Alzheimer's Studies if you're interested in getting um getting involved in a trial. They are in their third trial now, and I think it would be a wonderful mode. Uh, Puzzles with Me <clears throat> is also 
just a great, great way to interact with somebody. Sometimes we have a difficult time when we're with our, our loved one or even if we're working with somebody, um, knowing how to connect. And it's important that everybody feel purposeful in what it is they are doing. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our second guest here, and I'm just very excited to have her with us. She is renowned in her industry, and Darlene Kvitz is a licensed nutritionist and a certified nutrition specialist. She um, co-founded Nutritional Weight and Wellness, which is based here in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, right where I live. And Darlene has over 25 years of experience as an educator, a counselor, a psycho uh, uh, nutritional consultant, which I've never heard that before. And so I, I want to learn more about that. I think that makes a lot of sense because I know I'm one of those emotional eaters out there. Um, she serves on the board of dietetics and nutrition practice for the state of Minnesota. She also hosts just a really fun show that is just full of great information called Dishing Up Nutrition, and it's very popular here, and it's on Saturdays on FM 107. Um, so if you're if you're in the area and you get FM 107 uh, Saturdays, listen in because there's lots of really good tips. I catch it quite often um, when I'm in the car. Um, Darlene also consults with the media on nutrition on a regular basis, and she's been quoted in time. Um, for more information on nutritional weight and wellness, um, they're really easy to find. You can just go to www.weightandwellness.com. So welcome, Darlene. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Well, I am just thrilled to have you here. You know, we've been chatting for a while about um, having you on, and it seemed like it was never going to get here. And then here we are. So <laughs> it's just very, very fun. I, I do have to ask you before I kind of go into my line of questions here. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what is a psycho um, nutritional consultant? Well, you know, it's really how you do nutritional therapy or you know, nutritional counseling, because basically we really believe in a biochemical approach to emotions, and so we look at help people help them balance their, you know, their blood sugar, their brain chemistry, and that's kind of the biochemical part of it, and then we give them the support and the encouragement and the knowledge to really make those changes that they need to make. So it's a combination of nutrition, support, and understanding the biochemistry. Okay. So that's what, it, you know, basically that's what psychonutritional counseling is. Okay. And, well, I, you know, a part of it is because, you know, one of my original backgrounds, my you know, was in psychology. And so I took a lot of those skills. And then one of my other backgrounds is in education <laughs> and then in nutrition. So I have combined all three disciplines in in our approach to not only our classes, but also to our individual counseling that we do with people. Okay. So three-pronged approach. Well, that's and interesting. And I think people, people need that because, 
you know, making changes with how you eat takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of knowledge for people. And so, you know, and I, it, you know, as an older adult myself, you know, I really take my brain nutrition really seriously. You know, because I, I am, you know, I'm 75 and I'm working, you know, like full time and a little bit more than full time. And so <laughs> it's it's really important to know what to do to keep your brain healthy, as healthy as possible. So I, that's kind of well, what I want to talk about today. I, You know, it's um, I think if we can somehow even get younger people to start to realize how they have to protect their brain as they get older or even as they're young how the, what what they're what they're doing is affecting their brain chemistry um, then i think we've made some real movements in helping people uh have a functioning brain as long as possible for themselves yeah and and i the topic is just such a hot button out there right now. Everybody's, you know, trying to figure out how do we prevent and how do we slow down dementia. Um, but it, it goes much further than just the person with dementia. I mean, it's it's just yes. for all of us. And especially with caregiver stress, it's really an important element, I think, for those caregivers to keep in mind because they really get taxed. And, um uh, very, very critical. Have have you, Darlene, have you ever been personally touched in, in your family at all with dementia or um, memory issues at all? Well, a little bit uh, in the sense that my mother, um, you know, as she got older, and I think a lot of that was because she had had some mini strokes, and definitely her memory was not as good as it had been at one time. And even her personality has had changed some. I think there was more of a fear that she was experiencing. And I certainly can understand that because, you know, if you've had a mini stroke, you're going to have more fears. So, but not in the sense that, you know, she was, you know, in a nursing home for years and years or any of that. So um, not at the same extent that you've experienced it for sure. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, well, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of me's out there. <laughs> you know? I know it. Yes, I have a very good friend that's going through it right now, and with her mother, and um, it's yes, there's a lot. You know, she wants to be there to support her, but it, it's it's really difficult for her to deal with some of the things that are going on. So yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that we just don't really get taught how to how to deal with and I think nutrition um is such an important role. And I know I I grew up in a household where I, no one ever was on a diet. We didn't talk about nutrition. My mom would go to the hostess Twinkie place and pack up the freezer for lunch stuff. I mean, we we were yeah. horrible. And mm-hmm. um, and as an adult, I'm not a whole lot better, which is awful to say. Um, you know, I've, I've changed. I've changed my ways some, but I mean, I still do not um, 
eat and exercise the way that I know that I should. And that is something that I definitely want to change. I I have I have to uh, put in a plug for you guys. I have a friend who just raves about your company and the classes she has taken. And oh, thank um, you. she has gotten several people to join her. Uh, Judy uh, McCabe is a very good friend of mine. And um, I've tried and I've just had conflicts with my schedule. But I, I am going to get that on my plate this fall because it is something I need to take much more seriously. And I have to I have to start walking my talk in that one. Um, <laughs> And that's I, I need to get walking too. I need to do the exercise too. Yeah. You know, so yep, it's a little little bit of it all. But well, well you know, one of the things that I have been personally doing in the last few months, I've always I've exercised now for a number of years consistently. You know, like maybe three four times every every week. But in the recently, what I've done is I've really increased that, and I'm doing an hour of walking five days a week. And Mm -hmm. my reason for that is my brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. I am doing it because I want the blood to be circulating into my brain consistently. And from what I can understand, walking is one of the best ways to get that to happen. And so I've made a commitment to myself. (laughs) And that's the only way you can make changes, I believe, is you've got to make a mm-hmm. commitment to yourself that I'm going to do that every day. And, and you know, it really does make a difference with your just your basic memory when you do that. And most people can do that. You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's on a treadmill, sometimes it's outside, sometimes it's just in my house that I am mm-hmm. walking. It doesn't matter where you do it. I mean, you can do it in a mall. And it's mm-hmm. it's rather simple, but it took me a long time to get to myself to make that commitment. You know, I've thought about it for five years before I did it. But if you keep thinking about it, <laughs> then sometimes you make those changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you've heard about the, the Fitbit. Um, it's just a little device mm-hmm. you wear, and it monitors your steps and your sleeping sure. patterns and things. And um I'm doing some work with with Verizon, um, their their Boomer Group, and um, it's pretty fascinating because boy, I have, I mean, it slaps me in the face of how sluggish and how sedentary I've gotten because I'm mm-hmm. sitting in front of my computer constantly, yes. and right. and you know when I see really that's all I've walked all day, <laughs> it's it's embarrassing. You know, well, you know, the other day I was reading an article in the paper that they so many of the companies are putting in the treadmills for you know for people to walk very slowly at one mile an hour while they're doing their computer work, and the health benefits that they're gaining from that, and they leave work feeling refreshed. So it mm-hmm. isn't doesn't mean that you have to go out there and just you know push push push. Just kind of a slow, repetitive motion is all you really need. So I guess you're going to have to get a little treadmill in front of your computer. I know, I know. We're we're, <laughs> we're redoing the whole house right now, moving stuff around. So maybe that'll have to come in the door. I actually I had a really nice one and I gave it away because I just kind of used it to hang clothes on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it. <laughs> I was one of those. So. 
Yeah. Well, listen, let's talk about how sugar affects brain health because um, I think that's a lot of people's downfall. And uh, maybe you can convince us to to change some of our, our habits here. Well, you know, I think what I'd like to do is kind of teach, you know, maybe just kind of present this as we might do it in a class. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we will, you know, we might say, you know, just kind of stop and think about what people typically eat for breakfast. And I think a lot of the younger people would grab, they'd stop at the coffee shop, they'd grab a mocha and a muffin. And they think, well, that's, you know, what's wrong with that? Well, Mm -hmm. when they have a mocha and a muffin, they actually, that turns into 36 teaspoons of sugar. (laughs) And... What does sugar do, basically? It creates a lot of brain stress. You know, sugar is bad for the brain, basically. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, then so other people, you know, I think in, if we watch TV, and we call this TV nutrition, many people have been told to eat like dry cereal, like Cheerios or cornflakes or, you know, Total or one of those. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, put skim milk on it. Never put cream on it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe have a glass of juice and a slice of whole grain toast. And, of course, you put margarine on it. You don't put butter on it. So when you look at that, you know, this is just a bowl of cereal and a glass of juice and a piece of toast. I mean, that's what a lot of people eat for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So that breaks down into... Thirty-nine and a half teaspoons of sugar, almost forty teaspoons of sugar. So, you know, it's this sugar and all those processed carbs that again creates this brain stress. Mm-hmm. And so, what I'm saying is, <laughs> cereal and toast and juice are bad for the brain. And wow. that's a big. That's really hard for people to realize. I think. In yeah, an average shift. American, an average American eating this way, eats 130 pounds of sugar a year. Now, I remember because I grew up on a farm, and I remember my mom used to buy sugar in five-pound bags. Mm-hmm. And she might buy, you know, this. She'd bring them in for the for the whole winter, and so she might buy ten of those. Well, actually, when you take 130 pounds of sugar and you put make five-pound bags, each person would be eating 26 of those bags, those five-pound bags. I mean, we would maybe, the whole family and all the people that came for lunch or dinner, <laughs> that might last, you know, the 10 pounds would probably last her for several months or most of the year. Mm-hmm. So we were not, as a family, eating that much sugar. But the average American now eats that much sugar because sugar is in everything, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, just as we kind of look at breakfast again. And I don't know if, you know, do you eat breakfast now or do you I'm, skip breakfast? I'm horrible. What I had for breakfast was uh, um, a handful of nuts. <laughs> Okay, well, that is actually, um, it's, it's you know, it's not sugar. 
Mm-hmm. It's a healthy fat. It probably what, and you didn't skip breakfast. So no, I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I normally don't eat breakfast, so this is. Um, I, I'm one of those that usually does skip breakfast, or uh, I, once in a while I'll run and I'll get a coffee and, and the muffin, which is horrible. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been I've been trying to. I've got this big jug of nuts from Costco that I've been trying to get myself to eat. Because I've heard it's better, but I really don't know why, because I'm just really ignorant on all of this stuff. Well, let's, you know, when you look at the nuts, now, are those roasted nuts or are they raw nuts? Um, I would say they're raw. There's almond and peanuts and cashews. Then there's a um, some raisins in there and a couple of M&Ms, I think, they threw in just to sweeten it up. Oh, Okay. <laughs> so you see, with the raisins and the M&Ms, of course, then there's sugar. And in the M&Ms, there's actually bad fats. Mm-hmm. So not good for your brain, basically. Bad for your brain. And I think, okay. you know, we try to bring it down into simple language for people because they can relate to it's bad for your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you know, if you skip breakfast, and I, and lots of people skip breakfast, I think particularly women skip breakfast. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you when you skip breakfast, you know, your blood sugar goes down, you know, probably about ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when your blood sugar drops way down low, is that you have less blood flow to your brain. And what happens is then it affects your memory mm-hmm. and it affects your decision-making. So you're not going to make very good decisions if you skip breakfast. And the poor decision that you're going to probably make is you're going to grab the cookie or the muffin or the some you know the M&Ms or a Coke or something because your blood sugar is so low. And you're not going to make good business decisions or work decisions because you don't have anything to work with in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, you know, what happens is people's anxieties usually go up about that time and kind of their focus goes down, your memory goes down, you know, your irritability, though, goes up. And you're just not as patient as you normally are because your, your blood sugar is low. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what would be a better breakfast for people? And I think a couple of eggs, you know, and we always talk about eating eggs that come from the farm, like, you know, talk about grass, egg, chickens that are grass-fed, you know, chickens that are running around outside eating the grass and the bugs and all the things. It actually makes the egg yolk higher in the good fats that we need for our brain. So a couple of eggs cooked in butter, and rather than toast, maybe a couple of cups of vegetables, and put but, and put butter on them. And that's a much better breakfast for people. It's like good brain food for people. Um, could you see yourself doing that? I mean, you know, that's the... That's the question. Is, yeah, visualizing me taking the time is yes. that's. I mean, that's 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 my 
problem that I have to get over with is taking the time, just making the time to eat well, right. You know, here, like, here's <laughs> another idea then, you know. And, and in fact, I did not have my eggs this morning, but um, I did have like a protein shake. But mm-hmm. we have discovered a, a great way to make a protein shake. You actually take coconut milk and that comes in a can, and you put in about a fourth of a cup in your blender of coconut milk. You put in some frozen fruit, you know, like peaches or strawberries that don't have sugar in them, and some whey protein powder, and a little bit of water, and you blend that up. Tastes great, gives you good energy. And, Lori, you must be familiar with... um, you know, Mary Newport, all of her research and work that she's done on coconut oil mm-hmm. and coconut milk with her husband? Yep, yep. Okay. Well, you know, I I read that and I actually saw Mary speak at the uh, um, College of Nutrition, uh, the American College of Nutrition conference about five years ago. And I was so impressed with that. I thought, well... You know, if coconut is that good for the brain, I think I want to include it in my my eating plan. And so often I do this, and we have, I mean, we have a lot of clients using coconut milk rather than skim milk or cream. And I just think this has to be good for the brain. And I know that it's it's like it's um, you know, coconut oil and coconut milk is anti, it's really anti-inflammatory, and it's. Uh, it helps to control virus and bacteria and fungus in our system, which is has to be beneficial for us. So it's taking kind of that, you know, what we try to do is take some of this knowledge, and maybe it hasn't been researched, and I know that it, some of the coconut information is being researched right now, but she certainly had found something that was working for her husband, and to take some of that knowledge and put it into practice in everyday you know, life and with people is what we try to do. So I could go on and on and on, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's good. And I, and I like how you're talking in terms of practicality because I think that's one of the downfalls whenever um, we, you know, and I'll speak for myself, whenever I look at kind of dieting or changing things, then it, it becomes something that I, you know, I, I just, in my mind, I, I like, I don't even like the word diet anymore. No, because I um, I think what we you know a good way to do and I, I, as I'm working with clients I keep saying, you know, how is this going to feed your brain? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it going to do for your brain? Or because I you know I tend to work with a lot of older people just because of my age they feel more comfortable with me, and so I keep saying, okay, now how is that going to is that going to help your joints? You know, because. Mm-hmm. We know that the sugars and the cereals basically create inflammation in the body. So it's going to create inflammation in the joints, but it's also going to cause inflammation in the brain. And when your brain or your joints are inflamed, they break down. Mm -hmm. And so if we can stop that process... I think, you know, this the, the dieting 
mentality, like the low-calorie, low-fat mentality, has actually, it seems as though that has increased all the health problems of the body, but it's also, it seems like it's increased the health problems of the brain. You know, it's, if we look at um, how people were eating in the, say, the 1940s, you know, they were eating real fat. They were eating butter. They were mm-hmm. not eating margarine. You know, they were eating cream. They were not eating Cool Whip. Uh, and, my, I, you know, and you know these numbers better than I do, the rate of Alzheimer's or dementia was much less than, wasn't it? Yeah, and and we don't know for sure if that's, you know, because there's more diagnosis going on. But, I mean, I I think our eating habits, I think so much stuff has skyrocketed. And I, and I don't think it's just because of testing. I think it's because of reaction to what, what we're eating and, and all the chemical adjustments in the food that that's out there that we don't even, we're not even aware of, all the genetic, you know, manipulation that's going on. And then right. you add in, then you add in all the wireless, you know, stuff going on, and right. and you know the microwave ovens that you know are just a mainstay now. I mean, we just cook and eat and live a very very different life than than what we once did. And um, well, well, you know, some of the researchers, you know, some of the things that I've read recently is that some people are looking at. Alzheimer's is a form of diabetes in the brain, mm-hmm. which, I mean, of course, then that's coming because people are eating, you know, the high-processed food and, you know, especially the high-sugar foods. And, um, you know, and, and it, it makes some sense because, you know, again, when you have high blood sugars, um, that actually kind of burns up the cells, it damages the cells. And whether those cells are in your toes, which ends up causing neuropathy, mm-hmm. or whether those cells are in your brain causing memory loss, it, they're all cells, and they all mm-hmm. are affected by high sugar. Mm-hmm. But people do love their sugar, let's face it. Yep, yep. I like my sugar and I like my salt. I'm just double doomed. <laughs> well, you know, when we look at salt, salt in itself is not that harmful. But if you think of salt and you think of chips, mm-hmm. and that's what people often think is they're not thinking chip, they're not thinking salt, they're thinking chips. And chips are really they're really craving sugar because when you, you know, like four potato chips actually in your body turns into a teaspoon of sugar. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, and if people are concerned with salt, I I, I don't find that many people really overuse salt when it's just like on vegetables. Or mm-hmm. on meat, um, it's usually it's like in French fries, or but then they're really going for the sugar, because you know two French fries is a teaspoon of sugar. 
So, oh um, my gosh! So you know that wouldn't have even entered my mind. You know, yeah. so a whole whole pack of fries, a small would just let alone a larger upgraded one that we get to be able to choose from. Unbelievable! I had no idea. Well, no you idea. know, if you walk if you walk into a senior center, and mm-hmm. or I mean. And so what are they serving? I mean, donuts and coffee mm-hmm. or pie and ice cream. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, it would really be nice if they started to serve, you know, steak or you know, chicken legs or mm-hmm. <laughs> and and some vegetables. And they could actually have... You know, they could have a vegetable dip like guacamole. They could be dipping it in healthy fat because our brain is basically made up of fat. And so we want to make sure that we're getting, you know, like avocado and olive oil and butter and uh, nuts like you had and Mm -hmm. those kinds of fats so that we're constantly putting good fats into our brain. Um, and that's, you know, I think that that's another thing that's happened is in our, the dieting, weight loss, um, misinformation that has been out there. I think people that started those programs of low fat thought that they were doing the right thing with people, but in reality, they actually, um, created more health problems, I think, for people by removing all the good fats. And um, and so my guess is that's probably one of the reasons that we've had an increase in memory problems through the years is that people now are not, they're afraid to eat butter, but then they eat margarine, yep. which is really bad for the cells. <laughs> you know, yeah, because we and, have been trained that it's better. Yeah, but it isn't. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's made out of, a damaged, manufactured fat that when you look at the label, it's going to say hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated, and it is basically a trans fat. And trans fats, you know, we use fats and we they make up the membrane around every cell in your body. And that's just kind of like a little layer of fat that goes around every cell. And you really want that membrane to be made out of healthy fats like you know again like olive oil or butter or the oil that comes out of nuts but and so then it's like the messages can get into the cells and they can get out of the cells so we've got you know good communication going in all parts of our body and in our brain so the messages mm-hmm. that go in and they go on to the next cell and everything is great but if you eat these refined oils like soybean oil or, you know, the Wesson vegetable oil or any of those oils, what happens is those cell membranes become hard and crusty. Mm-hmm. So we might have a message that is supposed to go into the cell. It hits the cell membrane and it bounces away. And we don't get that message. Or we get a mixed message going on. So it's actually the things that we find 
you know, in all these trans fats. And where do we find those? We find those in our muffins at the coffee shop usually or in commercial cookies or in um, French fries, in fast foods. In, I mean, that they're all over because they're inexpensive to use. Manufacturers, mm-hmm. and they also stay on the shelf forever. You know, they talk about the Twinkie. You know, the Twinkie can lay on the shelf forever and never get stale. <laughs> and that's well, because and that's, it's got trans fats and sugar. Great preservative. Oh, okay. I was looking at, uh, you know, I get bagels sometimes, and it, and it's like, oh, my gosh, these have been here, like, way too long. I mean, these mm-hmm. <laughs> These should not be good. And then I'm like, oh, what is in this stuff? That you know, it, I mean, it's kind of scary when you think about it. Um, you know what what that really does to our body? All those chemicals and stuff yeah. because it, you know, you know, down deep that just can't be right. You know, everything has a life cycle, and, and uh, my bagel had far outlived it. You know, and so I just gave it the chuck, though though it looked perfectly fine. You know, sure, but you know, and I think the only way we're really going to change how people are eating is by educating people, and that's why what you're doing today is is great because. More people will listen to your podcast and they'll start to look at, you know, they'll start to take a look at what are the foods that are bad for my brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think of people, they think going out for breakfast and having pancakes and syrup is a treat. Well, actually, it's bad for the brain. Mm-hmm. And if they really, if you really ask people and say, okay, if you had pancakes at about 8 o'clock in the morning, how did you feel at 10? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll say, awful. <laughs> well, that sh- that's probably telling you something, isn't it? You know, and yeah, then, it- you know, like I have a nephew that is just like, he drinks four Mountain Dews a day. Oh, my gosh. And I keep saying, Eric, 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 that is so bad for your brain. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, how to get him to stop that. Because that is, that is so bad for the brain. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just, I think eventually when people take, an, I find that as people take our classes, you know, like our weight and wellness, wellness class, or even if they take our nutrition for weight loss class, they start to learn this, and they hear it over and over and over, and then they then the light bulb goes on, and they say, "Well, I'm not eating that anymore," and they mm-hmm. stop buying those things. So. Yeah, and it's it's hard because we have patterns that need to be broke, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, when we're busy, we just, anyways, I do, I just revert to what I know and what I'm comfortable with. It's just, it's it's easier. Um, you know, one of the things I thought that was really interesting, and they always say, you know, hit the pain point, you know, <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with stuff. But, um, you know, one of the interesting things I think with sugar is that people don't understand and they really don't take notice of, and, and I know now that I'm 54 and I can feel it in my joints and stuff, and it, and when I'm achy, it's like I can go back and go, what did I eat? And I've noticed the sugar, and it's like, dang, 
why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Because the, mm-hmm. this hurts, you know, this is uncomfortable. I think just to get out of a chair or roll out of bed or whatever it might be, you know. And mm-hmm. I hear I hear more and more people, you know, my age talking about their aches and pains. And we really all should take that more seriously because we don't have to live in pain. We don't have to be popping pills. We can just not put um, certain items into our mouth and digest them. And, you know, I think if we're, because I know when I'm more conscious of it, I don't, I have much less pain. And I'm just amazed. And then um, when I'm really bad, I mean, I can even just see it in my fingers and everything in my joints. It's almost like Mm -hmm. I look at them and they're throbbing at me going, you idiot. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so just. But, um, you know, when you're looking mm -hmm. at, you know, if you're looking at dementia or Mm-hmm. Alzheimer's and inflammation, it's happening in your joints, but it's also happening in your brain, that same mm-hmm. inflammation. And I think I think that's the scary part uh, to me because you do, it's, oh, and some people actually get a headache, you know, or something like that. Well, then they mm-hmm. know they've got inflammation. But a lot of times you don't have that. You mm-hmm. You probably feel a little, you've got a little brain fog going. Mm -hmm. People will talk about that when they eat sugar or, you know, pasta or processed foods, and they'll talk about their brain fog. But but it's still kind of, it's hard for people to make that connection. But... so you said it gives headaches because I wasn't aware of that. I always thought it was caffeine that gave, you know, or lack of caffeine. If I've been drinking a lot of pop or something, that I would get a get a headache. But sugar can cause headaches too. Oh sure, sure. Really? Um, or you know, <laughs> lots lots of people have um, migraines from all the chemicals that are in foods or the sugar that's in food. So. We work, I mean, we work with a lot of people with these, you know, they maybe have almost, I've worked with people that have had like 30 migraines a month and get them, change their eating and get migraine free. Wow. But, you know, the thing is they probably, they can't go to fast foods because Mm -hmm. they've got all kinds of MSG and nitrates and things in that food and sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Here's an interesting thing: is that a lot of the ground beef that they make the burgers out of at fast food places, and maybe other places, is they actually add sugar to that. So huh. now, if you go to, you know, like you know, we have the great co-ops here, like Mississippi Market or Linden Hills or any of those wonderful co-ops, and you buy like, especially like grass-fed beef. It doesn't have sugar in it. You mm-hmm. know, it's just pure meat that I actually grew up on because that's the kind of farm that we had. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, but, you know, if you, and, you know, even like when people sit down to a big bowl of popcorn at night, mm-hmm. I mean, who does not like the smell of popcorn? I mean, it's, most people love that smell. And it's so tempting. But again, that ends up, if you eat a couple of cups of popcorn, it's probably just fine. But most people eat many cups of popcorn when they sit down. And then that's, again, one of those things that turn into sugar in your body. 
and it makes mm-hmm. your blood sugar go up. And I think most people, if they eat a lot of popcorn, the next day they feel kind of stiff and achy. You know, their joints don't work very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what's that's again. That's what's happening in the brain. Oh, so. Well, and that's a that's a really good way to look at it. Is that it? You know, what we put in affects our whole body. And I know that right. for my mom, my mom had, um, and and she still does. She's had horrible arthritis, and mm-hmm. um, you know she's on uh, oxycotton and. You know, and, and she'll be on it till the day she dies, just because of of her pain level. And you know, we're not going to do surgery; it doesn't make any sense. And they couldn't replace all the joints <laughs> that are haywire, anyways. But then, when when you're talking about all the types of foods that she's getting, you know, in the nursing home, you're right; it probably is adding um, to some of her discomfort. And I never ever thought that before. And just even us as family. Um, we, you know, had, we kind of had the mentality of, well, mom likes her chocolate, so we'll bring her a little bit of chocolate. Mm-hmm. You know, not not putting two and two together because what makes us happy now might, might not make us too comfortable later, and we're not connecting those dots, or or I'm not all the time, and I think a lot of others no. are, are probably very much like me. You know, we're kind of in that immediate satisfaction of what feels good. Mm-hmm. And then we and then we ignore how you know to connect the dots because then my gosh we'd have to be responsible and maybe make a different decision <laughs> in our life you know or take responsibility for for our pain or discomfort that we're feeling. Well, I think the other thing is that we have kind of forgotten quality foods, mm-hmm. and if you buy. You know, if you go to the like the farmer's market or if you go and buy quality vegetables, you know, vegetables mm-hmm. that are grown organically, basically, mm-hmm. and you cook them in either coconut oil or butter or even olive oil, mm-hmm. and they taste great. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend that's, I'm, we're actually, um, making a new cookbook right now and I'm one of the ladies that I've been working with we were both talking on Sunday about when we cook like a pork roast we said we mm-hmm. all we do is we put a little salt on it and put it in the crock pot but then I said it's because we are buying pork roast that the pigs have actually run around outside and they are the quality of the meat is so good versus the ones that are raised in confinement fed a lot of antibiotics and hormones to fatten them up faster. <laughs> the quality of the meat and it tastes so good. So if you have just meat and a pork roast or pork roast and some vegetables cooked in butter, people are really satisfied and they're not looking for sugar. Then and so it's a whole different way of of cooking and thinking and eating I but we we really have to get back to that I believe mm-hmm. cuz we feel so good yep well and it I, you know I think it just grounds us you know much more I mean I I you know I have this mentality where I'm on the fly constantly mm-hmm. and I, my body doesn't feel like in chaos or anything but I think because it's my norm 
<laughs> you know, that I'm always right. just go, 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 um, and always doing something. Um, you know, it's nice to just be normal and just have a routine and not be so spontaneous and and uh, always on the fly. Uh, you know, there's some huge advantages to that. And, and I know for me, I need to get back to to that because I – I I am. I'm just always on the go, and I never quite know what my schedule is. And, you know, don't ask me when I'm going to do my wash or when I'm going to cook a meal or go grocery shopping because I don't have a clue. You know, where yeah. others have a, have a very set routine. I've never been able to do that, but I think there are some things that I, I could do and be more efficient and be able to, like you said, increase my brain health. So when I am on task, I'm I'm more efficient and more effective um, mm-hmm. than, you know, maybe just running in circles, you know, and multitasking or whatever, you know, with that. So um, I, I think I think you're pointing out some really, really valuable, valuable information here. Um, and I would find it fascinating. And, again, part of it is just I'm so ignorant because I haven't taken the time to learn and mm-hmm. um, and prioritize and I. I need to do that. So thank you. Well, I think a lot of people have think when they think nutrition, they think a couple of things. Boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the way people have taught nutrition in the past, it has been boring. Mm-hmm. But and then they think, oh, I'm going to be deprived. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be, it's going to be a diet. And mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm not going to like it. And so mm-hmm. they shy away from some of the things that are so, Important for people to know. You know, here's here's another one that for your brain is just kind of water. You know, people, if your brain is slightly dehydrated, mm-hmm. it's it, it it actually increases if you're under any stress. It increases that stress hormone, which actually then can damage your brain. And so, a lot of people. You know, they shy away from just drinking water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with your brain doesn't have enough water in it. It mm-hmm. kind of looks like a dried-up prune, actually. And mm-hmm. even, you know, I think another place that people can look at, you know, you can look at your the skin on your face. If you're mm-hmm. dehydrated, you're going to have more wrinkles. And, and if... The, and I mean, you you see that a lot of times when you see people that are really dehydrated and they have a lot of wrinkles on their face. Mm-hmm. But then it also kind of affects your brain like that, and then it affects your memory. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of seniors get caught in this one because they they have a, some high blood pressure, and then they get put on a diuretic. Mm-hmm. Well, a diuretic drains the water out of you. And mm-hmm. then you get dehydrated. Okay. You know, and here's one that, you know, if you drink a lot of alcohol, that dehydrates you. And you have a hangover. Mm-hmm. So a hangover is actually dehydration. So that kind of oh. tells you how much dehydration can affect the memory and your mood, actually. Mm-hmm. But I think... You know, and then uh, you know, and the other thing is, I work with so many people that have chronic diarrhea, 
Mm-hmm. I've worked with people that have had diarrhea for 15 years every day. Oh, my gosh. 10 to 15 times a day. Oh, my goodness. I change their eating, change a couple of things that they're doing, and usually, I mean, I can't ever remember when it didn't work, is they get rid of their diarrhea. Well, when you have constant diarrhea, your whole body is dehydrated. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to affect long-term memory. And people, it is, it's kind of interesting. It's like these little things about your health that people don't know or they don't connect that just makes so much sense when we're looking at that, all this, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in water, too, lack of water, I mean, can really throw people off their um my understanding is like electrolytes and it can increase falls and a lot oh, of times yeah. people don't want to drink the water because then they have to go to the bathroom and then they have a difficult time maybe maneuvering if their mobility is limited and so it's like this sick cycle of yeah. you know try you know like a dog chasing their tail um I had that happen with a a girlfriend of mine's um mother was having a really tough time and, and, you know, a couple of times landed in the hospital, cracking her head open and um, because she wasn't drinking water because she didn't want to have to run to the bathroom all the time. Right. And, you know, in those falls, as we age, are more difficult to bounce back from. And so, Definitely. you know, very, very important that we we look a little closer and a little deeper and we look at all the avenues of how our our food and um, hydration, you know, take effect on our body because, um, you know, we we don't want to be falling. You know, we don't, I, I mean, there's so many things. We don't want to feel joint pain. We don't want that added weight. We don't want a lot of different things. Um, Darlene, if you could um, maybe give people, because I know people still go through fast food, is there any good fast food for people where they can still zip in the car and order something or or what's the the best of the worst <laughs> you know or the or the least least harmful um out there do you have any suggestions for people if they're still going to be eating fast food what to get i know mcdonald's has like their wraps now and they look like they're healthy but i don't know if they really are yeah i don't you know when you take a wrap and you know it depending on the size of it mm-hmm. um it could it could contain a, a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of sugar so mm-hmm. um honestly what we try to do is encourage people to rather than going through fast food is maybe go to one of the grocery stores that have uh like a roasted chicken Mm-hmm. And do a roasted chicken and go through the salad bar, something mm-hmm. like that. If they just are not wanting to cook, because mm-hmm. you know when we look at all the ingredients in fast food, they all have partially hydrogenated fat, or they have lots and lots of additives, chemicals, preservatives, um, and sugar. Mm-hmm. And you know we have we have gone through and looked at menu after menu after menu, and looked at the ingredients, and you know uh, maybe 
Chipotle is a you know is supposed to be um, more grass fed meat or at least meat mm-hmm. that is not doesn't have hormones in it. So if you go in there and you're very careful, so you get the meat and you get the guacamole, mm-hmm. and you get the beans and leave the rice, mm-hmm. nor, no mm-hmm. tortilla. That would be a pretty healthy. That would be healthy. Okay. The other thing that sometimes we say is, okay, if you have to stop at a fast food, get a burger, no mm-hmm. bun, and put it on a salad. And mm-hmm. typically the salads in these fast food places have very little meat on them. So if you take like a chicken salad and then you put the hamburger on top of that, you have at least got enough. Now their dressing, though, is always full of chemicals no matter what. Mm-hmm. They're artificial sweeteners, you know, like aspartame, and that's really bad for the brain. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so you know, some people just just eat their, you know, I'd rather see, put, see people put sour cream on top of their salad. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times you can get that at a fast food place. Because mm-hmm. it should be more chemical-free. Mm-hmm. Well, I know a lot of times when I go out to eat, I'll just, um, instead of dressing, I'll ask for salsa. And I've always just thought that that was better. And I have no idea if it is. It Um, is. Actually, it is. And especially if you get the guacamole with it, then you're okay. (laughs) You know, and I think that's... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was one of those... People sometimes think that the, the fats like sour cream and guacamole are bad for us but they actually they are good for us mm-hmm. and they're good for the brain and they actually help your metabolism so well, that's um, good. i used to be one of those where i when i was younger this is how bad i was and i still am i used to think well i was having a salad for lunch and i had to get a caesar salad and then one day i learned how many calories were in a caesar salad i almost died i almost died <laughs> i really i really thought i was being good, yeah. and um, I was just shocked at how much I don't know and how much I need to know. Um, Darlene, how do people, I know you have your show on Saturday on FM 107. Mm-hmm. What time is that, uh, what time do you air on Saturdays? At Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8 to 9, and then they rebroadcast it from 6 to 7 on Sunday night. Okay. Because it, it is a fabulous show. It really is it, very, very thank you. good. And it is on, um, and then we put it on our website right away, and it's on, you know, our website is weightandwellness.com, and it, you can get it on iTunes, the rebroadcast. So actually we have people listening all over the world now to our podcast. And, um, and it's it, kind of... Just trying to teach basic information, basic basic understanding of food, and you know that's all. I mean, that's what we basically try to do with every show and every topic that we we come up with. So okay. next week, I mean, I know we're talking about uh, this coming Saturday. We're talking about menopause, and you know, I, I, people don't realize that. If they eat sugar, they're probably going to have more hot flashes. So if they cut, if they're into hot flashes, if they cut the sugar, 
usually people's hot flashes go away. Oh, just simple little things like that. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have those anymore, and I used to, and I have changed. I don't eat as as much sugar, but I'm still bad. Um, I'm not as good as I should be. <laughs> you, just but, come take um, some classes. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm definitely going to. Now, for people that want to take classes, are you just located in Minnesota, or do you do online too? Or we do. We have now. We have four classes that that are online. So we have a a, a gluten going gluten free the healthy way. And gluten also causes a lot of inflammation, both in the body and in the brain. And so um, getting rid of the gluten, which means then you also are getting rid of a lot of things like pasta and bread and those kinds of foods that turn into sugar really easily. So you're kind of mm-hmm. accomplishing two two things when you give get away from gluten. And about 30% of the population now are sensitive to the gluten grains. Mm-hmm. And so we have that one, and then we have a class that is called Gut Reaction. So we talk about the intestinal health, acid reflex, uh, constipation, diarrhea, all the things that relate to digestion. Um, we also uh, have one, um, you know, a, a kid's nutrition class. It's for healthy, focused kids, nutrition for healthy, focused kids. And then we just recently... Uh, well, and I think it will be up on the website soon, is uh, Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods. Um, and so we have those four now that people can take online. And uh, they're only like the, the, they're only like $25 for people to take them online. It's very mm-hmm. inexpensive. And, um, you know, we always have, we, all, uh, we always have different nutritionists teaching them. And... Uh, so we have kind of our style of teaching is what we call kind of interactive teaching style. And most people have not experienced that as they've gone through high school and college because lots of times it is a lecture style. And we mm-hmm. believe that as adults, people have to have this interactive style. They have to be able to see how it's going to affect their life. So we try to come up with different examples and get them to... We we call our classes thinking classes. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I get it now. You know, it's like, oh. And then they can make changes when they really understand. They understand the biochemistry, and they almost understand why they are so drawn to certain foods. Mm-hmm. And then they can make those changes. Sure, sure. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like I said... Um, couple of my friends who have gone just rave about your your classes and what they've learned and how how you've made it so practical for them to understand and to be able to shift um and implement so kudos to you you know the other thing Lori, i want to i just want to mention is that every quarter we have our weight and wellness classes we you know and those are typically six classes they're two hours in length and we put them into a weekend. And a lot one of the reasons that we started doing that is that nurses can actually get 14.4 continuing education credits for our our uh, weight and wellness classes. And so a lot of times nurses will fly in from Chicago or you know wherever and come and take okay. it for the weekend. 
And we Wonderful. actually feed them healthy food while they're there. Oh, great. <laughs> and, well, and so it's well, a way to get all this information. And then they can, you know, a lot of nurses take it back and, and use it for their own life, but they also use it in their practice, too. Great. Well, Dar, I have to, Darlene, I have to thank you for being part of our show today. And people can get a hold of you at www.weightandwellness.com. Um, thank you again for your time. This was just brilliant. I, I learned a lot. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful Lori, day. Lori, thank you so much. You know, to let me talk about my passion. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.